Greetings and welcome to another episode of Stamper Cinema. Thank you once again for tuning into yet another installment of this little podcast of ours. Continuing along on our Star Wars saga that we've been doing all year in this calendar year of 2021. I've got Mr. John Rowe joining me, and I'll have him uh, introducing himself in just a second. But in this week's installment, we are we're basically halfway there, right? We are now on the 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 fifth official chapter, but the the seventh film overall chronologically. And in this one, it is my favorite episode of the entire entire franchise, and that would be the Empire Strikes Back. I'm really no. excited. Wait, we're not talking about the Empire Strikes Back? Really? This is your... No, I'm just so surprised that this is your favorite. Mm. Nobody likes this film. Nobody. Nobody at all, right? uh, Most... Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll get into the Rotten Tomatoes scores later and they'll prove me wrong, but... Man, (laughs) this film... I know, I know. This week is going to be... We we are... We are... Sorry. Hey, it's John Rowe here. Hey, what's up, John Bones? Uh, Yeah, man. Oh, it's all great. Can't wait to talk about this film. We're halfway through, which feels great because, you know, it's been great fun talking about it. But, you know, because, you know, we're halfway through and we're at the peak of the mountain. Yeah. You know, know, it's all downhill from here. Well, I mean, it's a gradual descendant, right? Or like uh, descend, descend. The mountain gradually descends from here on out where I felt it was a very, very steep, uh, um, what I don't even know the term. I, I I can't I can't really like figure out like mountain terms. I'm from the oceans. I, I don't really know what peaks and valleys and things think, like that. Yeah, not really me. Think about it in waves. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you gotta yeah. think about the waves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah, you have your very gentle like swells and and then you get those real like giant waves. And this is what right now we're at the top, right? We're at the top of the surf right now, and that is the Empire. I think Strikes so. Back. Yeah, I don't think that's the point break, but it's, it's you know, I, I feel like this is the part as a surfer, you'd want to pop off the board <laughs> and get ready to ride. Um, and wonderful, wonderful little shout out. Today, we are recording this on the 30th anniversary of Point Break. So that is kind of fun. Nice little, nice little uh, reference, Mr. John Rowe. So this week I'm really excited about there's so much going on behind the scenes. I don't even really know where to begin. Um, And we'll, we'll, maybe we'll cover it over very loosely, but we will discuss the empire strikes back. I do promise you, but to kickstart it uh, very, very pun intended. I am recording this episode with one functional leg. So I'm recording in a different part of the house. I'm uh, recording kind of like in the middle of my bedroom and not necessarily in my nook. And our three-year-old daughter is going through a different stage within her development where she does not like the door left open. So if you are listening, you very well may be getting the light hum of her of her um, her sound machine that helps her fall asleep. So her door is wide open and there's a little night light. So she needs a little bit of light. So, you know, normal, normal three-year-old uh, behaviors. But yeah, so I'm recording a little bit closer to the door just because I need a little bit more space to stretch out my foot because I um, 
I went a little too hard in my soccer practice, thinking that I was in my my teens and 20s and, well, shit, my 30s, and developed a little case of tendinitis in my second and third toe. So I'm, I'm a little bit swelled up. I feel like an old man, but that's okay. That's okay. John has some exciting things going on behind the scenes in his development. So we might get a little, uh, a little cameo appearance in the background within his house, right? Yeah, I, I just hope that uh, if anybody hears a dog, um, she went outside. She's a very small dog, and she can fit through the gaps in the fence. And I think she thinks I'm disappointed in her right now. <laughs> and so she's kind of like, please, come on. So I've gone downstairs and given her some pets. What I feel bad about is I kind of gave her a treat, which almost like justifies the bad actions, mm. almost as if maybe now she'll leave the fence just so for me to yell at her just so she can come back in. And this might be something that you've gone through as being a pet owner or now, you know, raising a, a child or maybe, maybe, you know, cause I don't know how many of our listeners know who Murphy is, but uh, maybe you can talk about how at some point, if, maybe not tonight, but just if um, owning a pet does actually kind of help prepare you for a child or, you know, responsibility. Yeah. I, um, I think it does. I think it does. Um, the time. Yeah. 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 Maybe we'll, maybe we'll do Turner Hooch one day and we can talk about man. Yeah. Yeah. Basically that'll just be Andrew's therapy hour where I just uh, basically spend the entire podcast crying. Um, still haven't quite gotten over uh, the loss of Murphy, but Hey, you know, he, he was a loyal, loyal companion for 17 years and yeah, he was fun, but I, I definitely, definitely can say that there is an element of owning a pet that does prepare you at least in a small way, because obviously, you know, owning, owning a child, no, raising a child is going to be entirely different <laughs> than owning yeah. a pet or raising a pet. Feed them. Yeah. You just feed them. Yeah, yeah. You just feed them and get on, you get on the case and they poop somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wow. Exactly. No, but, um, yeah, no, there, 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 there are definite parallels that exist, obviously one species is a little bit different, but you know, they both, they both, they both give you something in the end, you know, which is that, I don't know, that, that, that sense of, of, um, I don't even know the word uh, is completion. The word to use a little Jerry Maguire, like you complete me, right. You know, that, that, that notion of when you're raising a child, there is this, you're a better you're a better person because you've got this other person that you're that you're raising and showing the world. And then when you've got a pet, you're a better person because it's something that you care for and you are responsible for. So when you care about something else and it's part of your own, you know, um, being, you know, it, it, it does, it, 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 it makes you, it makes you a better person. So anyway, um, I don't know if I'm going to keep any of that. <laughs> well, no, that's fine. I think it ties into the film. I think um, it's a selfless act, kind of taking care of whether it's a pet or an individual or raising a child. Like you, you sacrifice, right? You, Ooh, way sacrifice, more, yeah. you way more than they do, and they depend on you. So even if it's a pet, and you come home and they're so happy to see you, is because 
in a way they really couldn't survive without you. It's their dependency, so it gives you gratitude. Yeah. Because you yeah. you know, you have somebody who's dependent on on you and you are coming through. You're carrying through. And so, you know, you're putting forth more than you have to. So it's almost a selfless act mm-hmm. of uh, mm-hmm. taking care of this. So I can see that. I think a lot of this film, if you know, to talk about it at least to bring it up, um, I think Luke's journey has a lot to do with different, uh, you know, who's going to raise him and, uh, you know, how he, how is he going to be brought up, you know? And um, I think that's one thing that I found cool this time was watching it, how it seemed like the Emperor and Vader kind of had their ideas and Ben Kenobi and Yoda had their ideas. And knowing the backstory, it's like, you know, the Jedi's, their apprentice and the Titans, and where's Luke's journey going to go? Yeah. So, uh, I, I, that, it, this is a very deep film and uh, I, I'm just, well, thank you for telling your story. And uh, I just, uh, I'm excited to talk about this film. I hear we mm. got it. There's another anniversary, right? Yeah, that's a wonderful call out. Yeah. So July is uh Stanford cinema Stanford Cinema's birthday, quite frankly, we we rolled out our very first episode last July. And so now we are in July 2021. So, yeah, we've had this podcast going on a good calendar year. And John and I had talked briefly in previous discussions about, oh, well, maybe we'll do kind of like a little awards thing, like, you know, like best episode, you know, best guest, yada, yada, yada. And I think we will. But what I'm thinking that I want to do is kind of like a, a end of the year type thing. But this year will also include last year. So it'll be this particular year, like our our end of year episode that we'll probably do at the very, very end of December will basically catalog the first year and a half, quite frankly. And then, you know, if this uh, if the party keeps going on in 2022, then maybe we'll do another another type thing. But Shout out to everybody that has helped make this podcast possible, you know, whether it's the the guests and I've had amazing guests, obviously John Rowe, you know, kind of leads the charge as kind of like my unofficial co-host as he's been on well over a dozen plus episodes at this point. And, you know, the many of you who listen and the many of you who help, I don't know, what's the word? Um, that's the word I'm looking for. Basically, act as you know, uh, cheerleaders and a great support system who who listen and who tell other people about the show. I'm greatly, greatly appreciated. You know, appreciative for that. So, yeah, we we've done this a year, and that's awesome. I'm I'm proud of it. How how do you feel? I think the the word support wrong. You know, just thank you. You know, everybody's, I don't want to call it anybody, one particular person, because I don't want to call it everybody, you know, mm-hmm. and I just, you know, anybody's you know, help contribute. Some people don't even listen, but they, you know, text me, you know, they ask me, you know, I talk to them and um, so just anybody who's been involved, uh, just, this has been fun. Um, it, this has been extremely enjoyable and fun and I'm, I'm just so happy to still be here. <laughs> well, thank you, so, that's, John. That's you, all I really got to you, say. You've been, you've, been, you've been the best cheerleader, and I'm really, really sincerely thankful uh, that you know you've been completely, completely on board with this with this venture. And yeah, it, it's it's cool. It's, it's it's hard to wrangle up people, you know, to say, "Hey, would you like to talk about a movie that that you enjoy?" And they say, "Sure." Would you like to talk about it, like on the record? 
I mean, that's a little bit tougher, you know? So the fact that we've been able to get people and the fact that you've come back time and time again is just, just awesome. And I'm so very, very thankful. And you know what? To Mr. John Rowe, you, uh, you're my boy. And I'm very, very thankful uh, to have somebody that's uh, such a great, great ambassador for the show. So, but it doesn't stop, right? We've got a lot of great things that are in store for our second year, right? I'm going to try to get more celebrities onto the show, you know, which that that's been great. You got the, the feedback for those episodes have been extremely, extremely positive. So Thank you for for listening. Thank you to all those guests that have come on. And shoot, if you're listening to the show and you've got somebody in mind, you say, you know, obviously somebody within reason, you know, sure, I would love to interview Tom Hanks, right? I would love to interview Meryl Streep. But let's let's uh, let's take it back a step. But shit, you know, if they're if they're open for listening, you know, uh, being interviewed, I would love to chat with them about. Uh, Death Becomes Her or The Burbs, you know, I, I would still go with, you know, the movies that I really enjoy of their work. But if you're listening to the show and you've got somebody that you think would be great for the show for me to interview, let me know, you know, reach out to me. I would, I, you know, I've got a great list of people that I've reached out and by and large, they've all been very, very positive, but I'm always open to other, other people. So we've got that going on. We're going to have, we've got another really, really great celebrity interview that you're going to see next month that I'm very proud to show or introduce with everybody. Um, Ooh, here's something kind of fun that I'm officially announcing today. Stamper cinema now has a YouTube channel and right now all they are, are just the audio versions of our podcast the plan, hopefully, in the future is we will incorporate video footage of our episodes. But for the time being, right now, you can just you can listen to these episodes. So whether you're in your car and you listen to the podcast format, or if you're in front of your computer, you can pop open this, you know, pop open your uh, your YouTube internet browser and turn on your speakers. You can listen to us that way. Now. I will always encourage everybody to listen to it via the traditional podcast means because that's really, you know, kind of like where my metrics come from. So it lets me know who's actually listening. But if YouTube is better for you, fantastic. But the great thing, if there is a real positive thing about YouTube, is it's a really easy way for you to interact with the show, right? Because there's a whole comments ability. So you can listen to each and every episode. And we already have a handful on there now. But each episode going forward will be available there. So if we, if you hear something from one of these episodes and you're like, shit, you know, he got that wrong or he got that right, or I really like this. Or if we throw out a question and you're like, oh, you know, I know what my top five is of this, that, or the other, hop onto YouTube, log in, leave us a comment, please subscribe. That's another, just another opportunity for us to increase our footprint on um on youtube is by subscribing so again just hop onto youtube search for stamper cinema that's the channel right now it's kind of it's kind of boring but it's only going to get better right i mean we're early in this right john yeah absolutely and i'll just gotta confess i'm the kind of guy who goes to youtube like yeah i can't even remember how like i had to download what uh, well i just went to stamper cinema on ipod because or i See, I can't even say that, you know, iTunes <laughs> exactly. or whatever. Yeah. You know, you know, like, because uh, I'm a YouTube guy. But I also love comments. And uh, really, you know, going back a year, the first pod I really ever did, you know, not know anything about it, but I'd seen a, a hundred pods, you know. And the show, I'll show those people some other time. 
but for the most part, just thank you for the support. And I love YouTube. That's kind of how I take in my information. So I'm really happy we're going to be there. And we will do videos. I mean, that that's kind of like the going plan. I just want a nice little backdrop. Right now, I'm recording in front of my bed. Like I said, I have a different little rig set up and I got my leg propped up. But yeah, you know, I, you know, and John has a very, very lovely bedroom. But the idea is I want to give us, I don't know, a little, you know, I, I want to have, I also have to learn a little bit like video editing technology. It's taken me a little while to get better my audio editing. So now with YouTube, you know, it, it, it's a work in progress. And I'm very much a, a Gen Xer learning this shit. So it takes me a little bit while, but I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm really engaged and we're going to, we're just going to see where year two comes. And I've got a couple other ideas in store. I'm not going to announce anything yet. We're just going to see if it works. But um, again, long story short, and we're going to now turn over into The Empire Strikes Back. But once again, thank you, everybody that has helped make this past year a success. And I think it's a success. We've got approaching 2,000 downloads. We've got many, many subscribers and lovely, lovely feedback. Keep that feedback going on. You know, If you listen to us on the Apple podcast, please rate, review, like it, subscribe, all that fun stuff. And now that we're on YouTube... Please subscribe, comment, tell your friends, all that fun stuff. And uh, the show goes on. The show goes on. Yeah, I also I also get on Discord every once in a while and play Age of Mythology. It's an old Microsoft game, but um, it, are you, we are, are on you, Discord. Are you trying to – are you trying to – oh, I thought you were just trying to, like, advertise something else. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I'm not trying to advertise a Microsoft game from uh, – <laughs> How would that have been like 1998? <laughs> no, but um, yeah. What I am just trying to say is, when I'm on that, I'm on Discord playing, talking, and stuff like that. So I get on Discord quite a bit. We do have a Discord channel, so if we you do. are wanting to pop in there or get on there. You know, I'm in there. Yeah. So, and I, you know, Return of the Jedi is coming up. And if you're in there and you got just some ideas, just you know, shoot it to me. You know, hit me up if you see me available. Awesome. All right, Mr. John Rowe. Are you ready? I think we've had a nice little introduction. We've chatted for about 15 or so minutes. Yeah, And thank you for everybody who's bared with us this long. You know, yeah. this is a one year <laughs> anniversary. We're listening. excited. And it's yeah. been a while. Yeah, absolutely. But thank you. Thank you. I mean, I'm not talking about just the last five minutes. I'm talking about the last year. Thank you for yeah. bearing with us. Without a We're going to start talking about good movies. And it's going to start right here today. Yeah. <laughs> right here. It's one of the right best now. movies of all time. And now here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, you have you have survived the intro. We are now going to begin The Empire Strikes Back. So, John, what the hell is this movie? This movie is about a father searching the galaxy for his son and how he will let nothing stop him from finding his son. And killing and- him. <laughs> no, in the credits it talks about how Darth Vader's search is for young Skywalker and young Skywalker is kind of unisex and for the most of the film he is searching for the Millennium Falcon which Leia is on and she is a young Skywalker as well mm-hmm. and uh, but at least this time when I watch it and you know, the fun way I like to watch movies I just go like man Vader's just going to get his son no matter what he doesn't even care about the Empire he, he'll throw people under those asteroids so that that was the fun way I kind of want to watch it but uh, it's just a beautiful movie in another way where like the first movie was very much of an action movie during a war series this is an intrigue movie 
And one of the things I found fun with are a lot of the parallels between because it really centralizes around Luke. He's he's the hero throughout the journey. And so this is the the movie where you really don't know what's going to happen and how he's going to choose. And he does have similar teachers through, you know, whereas Obi-Wan and Vader are in parallel. And then you also find Yoda and the Emperor. They're introduced and they're both the masters and they're prevailed as, you know, kind of the next generation teachers. It's, it's Luke's journey in this gloomy of worlds, if I could call it that. Yeah, no, without a doubt. I think might as well like get right into it in the beginning or like right here at the outset. We like to talk about The Crawl. Yep. Episode five, The Empire Strikes Back. It is a dark time for the rebellion. Although the Death Star has been destroyed, Imperial troops have driven the rebel forces from their hidden base and pursued them across the galaxy. Evading the dreaded Imperial Starfleet, a group of freedom fighters led by Luke Skywalker has established a new secret base on the remote ice world of Hoth. The evil Lord Darth Vader, obsessed with finding young Skywalker, has dispatched thousands of remote probes into the far reaches of space. I mean, that sets it up. But Mm -hmm. to call back something from last episode, I believe you said the first and the second film had the two best crawls. Yes. So I don't know if you had thought about a way to describe that, but if you could enlighten or just kind of spread you know, talk about that for a minute or do you have an example? Well, yeah, I mean, you actually believe it or not. And I was being kind of like, like tongue in cheek about it, but you kind of already lay that out in the sense of, you know, father, like basically obsessed with like finding his son. And this, even though you don't know at this time, if you, you know, if you, when you, when this movie came out, who Darth Vader was in relation to Luke Skywalker, but the whole idea that our, our big bad from the f- first film not only survived, but he's he's thriving because at the end of Star Wars, we don't really know. Like he he like spun out. You know, we, we don't know what happened with Darth Vader. You know, we have no idea how that ended in the original Star Wars, but we find out, oh, no, 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 no. Darth Vader is very much alive. And now he is, you know, to use the word obsessed whenever you put that in, in a text, you know, well, then this dude's all about it. Right. And specifically finding young Skywalker, who in the previous paragraph, it's kind of let, you know, introduce that he's the guy that's leading these freedom fighters. Well, why is he leading these freedom fighters? And obviously that definitely ties into the whole idea of the force. So you're given you're given this idea of the big bad, like basically really searching and being obsessed with finding our hero. So you know there's gonna be a moment where the 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 leading forces of antagonism are gonna meet with our hero. We know that they're going to actually go face to face in this movie the way that that is set up right there. Um yeah, we get the little bit about like the remote like ice planet of Hoth. That doesn't necessarily set me up for like, ooh, what what is Hoth? I mean, that's just kind of like a just an introduction, just to let you know the planet that they're on. But well, the, the, in, a, in a crawl, it's important to set the scene, right? Sure. Like you got to say mm-hmm. it somewhere. So, yep, bam. yep. exactly. Hoth. Yeah, remote planet Hoth. Bam. Yep. But it's really those the back half of that, which is what is the meat and potatoes for me, is the fact that Luke Skywalker is kind of the 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 leader of the rebellion. Obviously, he's not 
you know, the, the, the admiral, like the, the, uh, the admiral obvious that says like a death mark's not an easy thing to live by, but he's, you know, you, you know, that he's important. And the fact that Darth Vader isn't necessarily obsessed with trying to find the millennium Falcon in the text or to snuff out just the rebellion, which is what the, the first film is what it's talking about. It's talking about the rebellion, but in this one, it's talking about Luke Skywalker, specifically the only two characters referenced in the crawl are Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. So, you know, those are who, who we're really tracking, you know, and that that's perfect. I mean, that lets me know specifically, okay, there's going to be other things that are going to be going on. And quite frankly, it's those other things that make this movie so freaking appealing to me. But the, the main arc that we're really going to be tracking is Vader and Luke and the showdown that they're inevitably going to have. And the idea as a storyteller is they chose the word obsess over mm-hmm. search mm-hmm. over, mm-hmm. you know, or Vader and the emperor were, you know, like they made, they made a purpose to say Vader obsessed Skywalker. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Young Scott, young Skywalker. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and we've talked before in the last film, you know, what Lucas had planned or not planned. But we do know in this film, he planned that Vader was Luke Skywalker's dad. You know, like in, in filming this, we do know that that's where it was going. So mm-hmm. when we look at Vader as a character and what he's doing, we can look at him as a father. Yeah, 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 yeah. And now this everything begins to make sense, right? Like everything now, because of the fact that Star Wars was a, uh, was a success. Star Wars was good. George Lucas realized he had a potential franchise like on his hands. So when this movie came out, the movie came out as episode five. Remember, like episode four didn't exist until 1981, like a year after this one came out. But when this one was released, it was released as episode five, The Empire Strikes Back, right? At least that's how I remember. Yes. I I feel like as a gabbling man, like, I don't know. I, I just think there's a lot of entrepreneurs who would all of a sudden be like, because he, he thought the first one failed. So the mm-hmm. fact that it had overwhelming success, he's like, I, you know, at that point, he's like, no, now I believe in it. You know, he's a smart guy. So to hang that five on it, it's just like, now I can, you know, it's just like, that's, that's a payday forever. <laughs> yeah, it's a pay- yeah, because at this point, when this movie would have come out, right, he would have had the, like, the Christmas special already, which even though, you know, we, we make jokes about the Christmas special, that it was kind of, you know, uh, ridiculous. And I'm pretty sure that the cast of Star Wars had already appeared on, like, the Muppets and everything. The, the marketing, everything, like, this was a global phenomenon. So... George Lucas went to the drawing board. And then when this movie came out, it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I've got I've got another seven stories to tell. Right. You know, like this is the series that we're getting is just the middle chapter. Right. The the first movie we had was Star Wars. That's just the beginning of this trilogy. I've got a whole backstory and a full sequel after all of this shit. Right. I mean, at least that was the the story that he was peddling to the media at that time. And I think, I guess, in a way, I kind of feel like it's important to, you know, recognize there's a different director. So there's a different guy at the helm who who now all of a sudden has to take on this role. Of, I got to deliver this great film, and he does. And yeah. Too- yeah. So Irvin Kirshner was the, uh, the, the director for this film, and very, very acclaimed uh, teacher at USC – 
And obviously he had done like a lot of like independent films like uh, coming into this, but this was far and away his biggest, biggest film. And according, and granted, this is just um, information that I've gotten like off the internet, but like even Kirshner was like surprised when like Lucas came to me. He's like, you know, like there are a ton, there are a ton of other filmmakers out there, a ton of like young hot shots, blah, 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 you know, pick of the litter. This is like the biggest franchise. Why, why me? And Lucas apparently said, well, because you know everything that a Hollywood director is supposed to know. You're, you're not Hollywood. You, you've taught everybody. You know what a perfect film is supposed to be. But yeah, like Irvin, uh, you know, George Lucas relinquished the or passed over the reins to, to this very, very recognized film teacher from USC, Irvin Kirshner. Like I said, he had done other stuff, but it was mostly like independent level if I have my facts straight. And George Lucas didn't write the screenplay for this film either. Well, if you want to also mention the screenwriters and all the other people involved, because it was he and I think that's what we're talking about, where like George Lucas had a dream at this point with five. Yeah. So I just want to talk about the other positives of him. Or not him, but, you know, like the fact that the journey got carried on and these this film is so great. Let's recognize the other individuals Perfect. who put okay. the film together. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I think it starts with, uh, who is it? Uh, Lee Brackett, who was a, a recognized uh, screenwriter, you know, writer who had done um, uh, The Big Sleep in, uh, what was it, the 1950s? Maybe, I think The Big Sleep was the 1950s. But anyway, um you know, George Lucas reached out to Lee Brackett and said, you know, I want you to write a sequel to Star Wars. And Lee basically wrote the first couple of drafts. Unfortunately, Lee died during pre-production and Lucas wasn't completely sold on it. You know, it needed like some punch ups, right? It needed some punch up work. So he reached out to Lawrence Kasdan, who I believe was working on the screenplay for Raiders of the Lost Ark. And Ooh, that's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. So Lawrence Kasdan, by the way, is a, a screenwriter that's worked with George Lucas several, several times and has continued to work with George Lucas. He didn't work with him on the prequels, unfortunately, that could have probably could have used him. But um, <laughs> <laughs> a small little dig, small little dig. If anybody doesn't know. If anybody doesn't know by now, Andrew has dry humor. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good example. <laughs> Thank you, John. Thank you. Um. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, please. Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah, Lawrence yeah. Kasdan was it brought on just to kind of punch up the screenplay, give it a little bit more, a little bit more substance, maybe a little bit more darker. I believe. And so he came into it and he's kind of like known for also like adding a little bit more flair into, into the dialogue. And yeah, John, I just, I just have to point out, I'm looking at his page right now. Raiders of the Lost Ark, Body Heat, Return of the Jedi, The Big Chill, Silverado, The Bodyguard, Wider, French Kiss. Oh, that was a good movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. It does have him on some of the credits for uh, the Force Awakens, so maybe, I guess. Yeah, but so he, brought, he was brought back into the 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 sequel trilogy, at least with Force Awakens, and I think he may have helped with the the final one, but I don't believe he did anything for the the second of the. I, I forget. I, I remember Force Awakens, and I think there's like Rise of Skywalker. Oh, the Last Jedi. I don't think he did anything for the Last Jedi, but um. 
But anyway, Lawrence Kasdan, a very, very acclaimed uh, screenwriter, uh, director as well. But um, yeah, so he came on after Lee died and punched up the screenplay and helped make this movie what it is and what this film is, other than the fact that it's it's just really, really great storytelling. Because even we talked about like the hero's journey in last week's episode. And we've kind of talked about the hero's journey in previous Star Wars films. This movie also relies heavily on Joseph Campbell's, you know, hero's journey. Literally, and like we have like the whole bit of like the the cave. You have a cave in this movie. Uh, you still have a refusal of the call. You, I mean, everything, friends, allies, mentors, obviously Yoda, who we'll talk about later. This movie maps that entire that entire structure as well. Perfectly framed story from that hero's journey. But also one thing that separates this movie with the rest of them, at least in my opinion, is just some absolutely epic quotable dialogue like just really really good rich if you don't mind i, I just want to step in and yeah. um i i always felt that this was where the universe went from two-dimensional to three-dimensional mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. all all of a sudden you you know star wars great movie you're watching it and this one, especially when Yoda comes in, all of a sudden there's religion involved and the world becomes 3D. And uh, that's why I just think that this film alone stands out in cinema as a world builder. And it, it it's a great movie in its own right. But the fact that now there's this whole world that's built on it, and it wasn't, to me, it's not on the first film, it's on this film. This is the film that's really the... Uh, keystone to use a bridging term yeah and we'll probably talk about it later on but this is one of those rare examples where i i i'm not even like ashamed to say it or like or embarrassed or feeling like i'm being presumptuous this is this is a better film this is one of those rare examples of where the sequel exceeds the original right and john you you just said it you know a moment ago that you go from second like two-dimensional into three-dimensional and i was kind of kind of going there but you you really did a better job of adding you know a, a real real terminology to it yeah we luke skywalker is no longer just you know just this farm boy trying to leave the planet he he's more well-rounded um Han Solo, Han Solo, a perfect example. He's no longer just a, you know, a, um, a scoundrel or smuggler, smuggler, smuggler. smuggler. There you go. He's, he, 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 yeah. you know, he, he's more than just a smuggler, right? I, I want to bring up the crawl again, just for a quick second yeah, with Han, because I think we're on it. Uh, in it, they made a point to say Luke was the leader of freedom fighters. And they made a point that, when Han comes in, he goes, hey, sorry, boss, I got to go. Uh, and the guy goes, hey, sorry to lose you. Mm-hmm. But, like, that does not happen in the military. No, it does not. Also, one of, one of my early favorite scenes is whenever, you know, Han wants to find Luke. And he's like, deck commander, deck commander. Is there a deck? Do you know what a deck commander is? Is that, is that a military term or is that a made up Star Wars one? So basically what I imagine the deck commander is, at least in Navy terms, that's your officer of the deck. Well, here's the thing. I know how to imagine a Star Wars deck commander. He's the guy who doesn't know where Luke is. Like, <laughs> I, I've, seen, I've seen in Star Wars, what, it, what I'm curious, is that an actual military person? Is that a role there that they put 
Yeah, your officer at the deck, basically, they have a logbook of who's on the ship, who's off the ship, things like that. So when he goes to the deck officer, you know, it's obviously a little bit different than my day in the Navy. But of course, this was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So things are a little bit different. Well, in the movies, I know what the officer at the deck does. And well, so the officer of the deck is a deck commander. Yeah. Our deck officer. Okay. Yeah. I just didn't realize the translation because it happened long ago in the galaxy far, far away. And no, I know what those people do. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, you can still tell me. <laughs> you can still tell me if you want to. As you can probably hear, we're both really excited about talking about this film. This is this is a fun movie to talk about. I mean, they're, they're, it's just so rich and fascinating. And there's so many things that we're probably not going to get into. You know, we probably won't talk about the the what like the car accident that Luke, uh, that Mark Hamill was in, like prior to shooting this movie and why he looks a little bit different in this movie versus the original Star Wars. I don't give a shit about that. That's good to know, because I had, I had a lot on that. Oh. <laughs> well, no, then I guess we will no, talk about it. No, 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 we're not going to talk about it. My understanding is there's still misreports on it. George Lucas says one thing, Carrie Fisher says another thing. These reports all happened. Um, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Does it, it affect the matter. film? No. No, I don't think no. it does. Yeah. I want to talk about Hoth. I want to talk about the Battle of Hoth. That's okay. what I want to talk about. Well, do we want to talk about, before we talk about, scenes in the movie we want to talk about who else is in this movie we've you know just because we're talking a little technical and then we can start to talk a little story i like that i like that idea a lot well so, who do you who, well billy d was well, that's just it like so we have all the, the the returning players right so mark hamill and harrison ford and carrie fisher and david prowse uh, as a you know the body of darth vader and you know james earl jones as the voice and you know uh um, R2-D2, C-3PO, everybody, they're all in it, right? If you if they didn't die in the last film, they're even back. Hell, Wedge is back, right? So yep. if you were a, like a tertiary yep. character, you're back. Vader's back. Vader's Vader is the only guy from the Empire who survived. He's back. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, pretty much 90% of the survivors of the Battle of Yavin 4 90% of them are back. Yep. Mm-hmm. But now we're introduced to some really freaking like nuanced characters, right? Like, so we're introduced to the character Lando Calrissian played by Billy Dee Williams, who, as we find, is a, you know, a, a crafty little gambler that has a little backstory with with Han Solo, which is which is great. So you find somebody that. You know, that's uh, that's just even as shady, if not shadier than Han Solo, which is fun because he's also perfectly charming in a way that that kind of irritates Han Solo, which is fun because he until now, he was the shadiest guy on like camera. Right. Like but now we've got this guy that's a little bit more charming, but also, you know what? He 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 still might screw you over, you know, where Han <laughs> talked about screwing people over. We find out that like Lando does do it a little bit, right? So he's always about number one. Han talks about being number one, but Han has a little bit more of a moral compass where we find that Lando, not as much, but still lovable, still lovable in his own way. I want to get, I want to get to that when we get into the film part of this. Perfect. Because perfect. I do think some of his decisions were similar, but, um, but we also had 
you know, Boba Fett. Boba Fett. His super cool, awesome looking mercenary, mm-hmm. you know, spaceship, you know, tracking the Falcon. Yeah. And Boba Fett would be like the one guy who would actually know Lando and Han, like, because he kind of, because he worked for the Feds, he would actually know Han and the backstory of him. So he might not. So I thought that was cool that he was the bounty hunter that followed him. Yoda. And I think this is something we'll get to later. And, and this is a fun thing where it's like Yoda is on a person, but the mm-hmm. words that he's saying it, are very influential. And I can't wait to talk about that. So, yeah, we're introduced to Yoda, voiced by the the infamous Mr. Frank Oz, who listeners would also recognize as Miss Piggy. I think this is where we're talking about, like, George Lucas, he's got this thing. He got the director. It, when you're building a team, and for our sports fans, you know, we're, you know, in a, like, you hire a manager, you got this person. It's like, I, I feel like her and the people, like Frank Oz, bam. Like, all of a sudden, you, you just got a lineup superstar and a young cast who's ready to go. And uh, you can probably hear my voice, but that's what excites me about this film. They took all the momentum from the first one. And yeah, Mark Hamill had an accident in whatever, but they just fucking did it in the next one, man. They just they just drove it home. And, and, and there's not a, a lot rare, of sequel. rare occurrence where there's, John Rowe drops an f bomb. I've been trying not, all right, but it's been it's our one year anniversary, you know. It's true. But like, it's uh, it it's hard to find a sequel that takes the momentum from the first one and builds on it. And uh, and this one did that more. So, yeah. I, are there any other actors? Anybody else who stands out besides the Emperor? You know, he was introduced. I think that's a pretty big deal. Obviously, if you've been following along chronologically, we've we've known about the Emperor for forever. But from the original canon, this was the first time that the Emperor was introduced. That oh, Darth Vader isn't the guy calling the shots. It's this this weird weird faced cloaked hooded guy that is actually in charge that vader refers to as his master what is thy bidding my master that's a great impression that's not bad right that wasn't bad that's i think that was dead on <laughs> i can't do it. <laughs> so that's the cast people that's the cast that's the cast yeah, that's the yeah. crew and and they were like if, if you're if, if you're a sports fan that's you know, like a team winning a championship is a championship winning scene. I think we've set the scene. We've covered the crawl. Can we talk about the Battle of Hoth now? Let's do it. Let's do it. Because it's the coolest battle in all. The, maybe the one. But yeah, Battle of Hoth is so cool, man. So what happened? I'm really excited. Uh, well... They're on this ice planet, and these things called these ATATs, which I like to think of as all train, all trains, because there's ATSTs, which is like all trains, some trains, right? I don't know <laughs> what those things are for, <laughs> but they come cramming down, going for. Them. But um, that's about it. Well, the thing I, the thing I want to talk most about about battle is randomly enough, like they're fleeing. And they take down an AT, which takes down an ATAT, and this this soldier's like, "Let's get him!" And all of a sudden, wedge a pilot just flies over, and goes bam, bam, bam. And so, really, I want to tie it back to the military. It's like, how about these flyboys? I was thinking they're so cool, but also that 
that guy was a little dumb because he was just like, let's get him. It's like, come on, man. Like, you're still just one man and you're on a retreat, you know? Like, you got to pull back. Like, the whole idea is give ground, give ground. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's, those are all my thoughts on the Battle of Hoth and what went right and what went wrong, basically. Yeah, to and if I may kind of expand slash summarize a little bit about about that opening. So this movie is kind of I mean, this movie is a traditional kind of like three act slash five act film. The writers don't know what the hell I'm talking about. The for those that aren't writers, it's a three act film. But your 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 first act of the movie is essentially Hoth, right? That that's your that's your first act. Your second act is gonna be Dacaba and then the um uh, the space monster, space, yeah, you know, and just being in space. That's your second act. Your third yeah, and final Vader, act is Vader's pursuit of yep. uh, mm-hmm. the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, yep. Third and act is Cloud City. Is Cloud City? Yeah. So it's real, real simple to kind of break this movie down. So your first act is, as already stated by the crawl, right? They're bad guys are pursuing the good guys, and what happens is Luke you know, notices a, like an asteroid hits, but we find out it's not actually an asteroid. It's, you know, it's a, it's like a drone that, so he goes to investigate this drone, but what happens is lo and behold, this, this ice planet, there are little ice monsters on there. And one of them like kills, kills his ride and, you know, strings him up for, for a feast later on. And Luke manages to escape, but of course this is an ice planet. So it's like basically being in freaking. I don't know, Antarctica. And so he temporarily succumbs to the weather where he's given a vision from Obi-Wan Kenobi. If you remember from the previous movie, old Ben Kenobi, he tells him that, no, 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 you're not going to die. In fact, you're not going to die. You're going to, everything's going to be okay. And you're going to go to this planet called Dagobah and you're going to be trained by this guy, Yoda, who was the Jedi master who taught me my shit. And Luke is like, what? Okay. Uh, I'm going to pass out now. And, <laughs> and, and, uh, and Hans, uh, Han Solo shows up at the right time. You know, he's able to save him, you know, Han's ride dies. So he slices up, you know, the, 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 the Tauntaun and stuffs Luke Skywalker inside the Tauntaun because, you know, it'll keep him warm while he builds a a little igloo, if you will. So they survive the elements over the course of the evening. The next day, the rogue squadrons come, they retrieve Luke and Han come to find out that now the drones know that. The rebellions, the rebellion, you know, uh, fleet is there. So they, the Empire bum rushes, Hoth gets there and establishes that they're going to now basically. Well, this was well, a storyteller because we're talking about the first act, I guess. Yeah. I'm going to go with the basic or just like the three act one. Within that, you have C3PO as a character who's like, oh, they can't hear this or that. Or the other, you had R2D2 is like, well, C3PO trans is like the possibility of somebody living there is something, something, something to one. And we know that there are two people out there. And then you got Chewie, and Chewie has somewhat really. Chewie brings the heart. Chewie brings the heart in this movie. Later with C three PO, and he's bringing them back to life. You know, he doesn't have anybody else. Like Chewie really brings the heart heart in this movie. Uh, but as a storyteller, 
setting, you know, the scenes and having, you know, characters reestablish themselves, I guess might be a term for it, you know, or, you know, right off the bat, you got Han and Leia just, oh, you know, come on. That's what she, you know, that's not how you really feel. But she does kiss Luke, whatever, you know. But uh, I, I think you unintentionally tapped into something. Every character has their moment in this movie. There, there are no wasted characters in this in this film. Like even the the captain that gets promoted to Admiral like no on, fear no yeah. got it on there yeah no yeah because every the other day yeah every character in this film has a great moment like even our droids who are given even more substance you know chewy given given that emotional aspect of the story you know just yeah like every the, character the part where r2d2 stands on his tippy toes to peek into yoda's house you know curiosity you know Mm -hmm. a a robot you know artificial intelligence having curiosity yeah even r2d2 kind of like throwing up like spitting (laughs) out you know (laughs) yeah Yeah. um but yeah so the end of your first act is the empire comes they have their battle but the good guys escape and the the uh, the fleet go one way, the Millennium Falcon goes another way, and then Luke and R2 go another way, right? And just for the people fo- who are watchers, at least this is a part that I want to recognize that Vader doesn't know who's on the Millennium Falcon. He's obsessed with finding young Skywalker, and he follows the Millennium Falcon because that's his best hunch, and he's given everything to find this one ship. He'll kill anybody who messes up, whether he has to see them through a screen or they fly to him to apologize. He'll kill anybody who messes that up. Yep. And, you know, I guess the beginning with Veer and I, honestly, I really hope to talk to him a bit more in Return of the Jedi, but uh, um, it's cool to see him kind of rise up. But the thing is at the very end of the movie, he goes, did your, you know, did they, sh- you know, did your party shut it off? And he goes, yes, commander. But R.D. Yeah. turned it back on, and it took off, and he did not kill him. So mm-hmm. it's like he understood that that guy actually did his job. But similarly to the first film, like, Vader does everything right, but something just kind of – it's really team unity, right? It's mm-hmm. family. It's the bond of a group of people. And uh, and that's what kind of tricked him again. He didn't kill Vader. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Veer. Yeah. yeah. And so that's your first act. Your second act is basically just the the fun part, right? Like the the, the trials that, that Luke goes through and shit the, the trials that 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 Han and Leia go through within their own relationship and then being on that like that space monster in the cave, which isn't a cave, it's just oh. the monster itself. So you're at this point where normally in a lot of films, the second act is one of the toughest to write because of the fact that you start a movie and you know how you end it, but how do you keep people entertained for the middle 45 minutes to an hour, right? And this movie does it in a really, really fun, compelling way that that you want a movie to do. And, and a lot of movies succeed. This, but this, where a lot of movies succeed, this movie excels. Like in so many films, the middle act is just to, you know, connect that bridge from a great opening to a great close. But this movie 
it, it's what it, it what's, turns this movie from a good movie to a fantastic movie where the journey is almost as good as the payoff, right? We're given a very, very rich, interesting opening. All right, we're, we know that he's going to do this and you know he's going to meet up with Vader. They're going to have a confrontation, da-da-da-da-da. Let's get there. Let's, how are we going to do this? This isn't just a nonstop, like mindless action film where, and granted, you know, I, I like a good popcorn flick, but this movie gives a second act a lot of substance and enriches these characters where we talk about like every character has their scene but this is where as john stated in the first act of our or rather maybe the second act of our podcast uh this is where the movie goes from two dimension to three dimensions this is where this film becomes iconic everything everything with yoda Mm-hmm. I kept saying, I kept thinking, and you don't have to answer this because this is where I was like, what's the best scene? You know, but every time Yoda kept coming up, I kept saying, like, well, well this one, you know, this one speaks to me, you mm-hmm. know, well, you know, got nothing but dialogue, but, it, uh, but, but the balance, I think that's mm-hmm. what you're talking about. The hard part with the storyteller is how you're going to, really laid on thick of what the Jedi culture is so people can get the understanding of what Luke's going to have to go into but you're also doing foreshadowing but you're, you have comic relief, you got other special effects going on but it's not wasted, there's still dialogue and character building it's not just uh, even though there is humor it it's not wasted. You know, it's not just for cheap thrills. Yeah. And- it's not wasted. And even the exposition you're given isn't, doesn't ever feel forced. It's natural exposition that is given to you. That isn't, doesn't feel like exposition at all. Right. You know, like we, we know that he's going through, he, he's going through his trials and he's going through his training to become a Jedi. And Yoda gives him, you know, the information in the form of exposition, but he's saying it in a different way. But it's also like instilling wisdom on it that makes it very interesting and compelling for an audience where, oh, no, 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 he, he's telling me this. Well, obviously, this is like I'm tracking this. And, and nothing felt like a chore. But also Yoda's character, right? And this is the part of him is the rewatch value. The fact that you can't quite understand the first time and each time you hear it. And also each time depending on where you are in your life because it's very impactful stuff. It might mean something different to you, you know? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, try or try not. Do or do not. Yeah. There is do no or do try. not. There is no try. Yeah. 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 When you're six, you don't understand what trying is, man. When you're When you're 40... When you're 36, you understand what trying is, man. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, yeah, th- yeah. So everything on Dagobah, I I put into the apex, mm-hmm. the best, the best of the best. This is where it gets real tricky for me because of the fact that I love the first act, and then I and then I'm like, oh, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in a Star Wars film. And then the second half happens, and I'm like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in a Star Wars film. And then the third act happens, and we'll get to that in a minute. But um, what else you got for Dagobah and like the? I used to think of the Jedi as priests, but they're not priests. They they do tell lies, you know. Like like I used to associate them with them and be like, oh, they're like samurai priests. They uh, kick ass and you know don't tell lies, but they're not that. You know they they spin things. They try to create things. Um, but one of the big things about Luke leaving Dagobah, because there's a lot of setup where 
before Luke gets to Dagobah, uh, it's just Vader searching for him. He gets to Dagobah, then the Emperor calls Vader and says, I've seen a great disturbance. So once until Luke got to Dagobah, the Emperor actually sensed it if you want to be a force. You know, think mm-hmm. about the force and premonitions and stuff. Because I, I do think premonitions, ideas, because when Luke got to Dagobah, he was like, you know, it's, you know, I've seen it. Like something in a dream, you know? So I, I do think they're setting the tone for the fact that he's seen these things. He's become a more force sensitive. But um, in Dagobah, when he leaves, Ben Kenobi and Yoda try to hard close him on leaving his friends. And he doesn't. They tell him, yeah, I mean, Yoda, who's the greatest Jedi master of all time, says, you know, go, fly. You're just, you're just, you know, end up in Vader's. But I do think that when, when Luke leaves, that's not a Jedi or a Sith decision. That's, that's a personal decision. Mm -hmm. And that's the very difference of, you can take this for religion or whatever point you want. Like, don't be one way. Don't be the other way. Like, choose your friends, choose your family, choose the people who are involved with you. Like, Luke did that, and it was different than the Jedi teaching. That's what made him different, and that's what sets him apart. And really, with the story of franchise going forward, and I don't know what's going to happen with Ray, but the Skywalker, that started that day. When he made a decision not to take the Jedi teaching and choose his friends, so yeah. uh, I that that's one of the, the the lasting things when he leaves. Honestly, I will die if I don't. That's what he saw, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, so that's that's why he's a hero, you know. He he made a hard decision, but anyway. So that that's the last thing I'll say about Dagobah. So when when you talk Dagobah. The most important scene, I think, is the cave, right? And that scene. This is the hard part. Let's yeah. go over. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a very important scene. Yeah. So, what, what, what do you think? Because this is a, this is one of those questions that a lot of people have. What does a cave represent? And maybe this is a great opportunity for people on YouTube. What do you think the cave represents? You know, uh, Luke asks Yoda, well, you know, um, what is in the cave? Yoda responds, only only what you take with you. So what what does the cave (laughs) represent to you? Like, do you have what has it ever meant? Like, because he went down there and he phased Vader and then he lopped Vader's head off and who was in the helmet, but his own face. Okay, I got you on the cave. So just not so with the cave. One dark force sensibilities. It's dark force, right? Mm-hmm. So a part of it is the reason why Yoda goes and lives near that area is because he's very light sensitive. He doesn't want anybody to pick him up, so he goes and lives near a dark sensitive area. But whenever Luke comes up, he's like, "What's down there?" And Yoda says, "Only what takes switch." only way you take with you makes me kind of think about this might sound weird to some people, but I don't know if anybody's ever taken a trip on drugs. Sometimes you take your baggages with you. So like you'll have these mind things that go along with it, that it's kind of your own fears and society. And really 
within that trip, if you dealt with them, you, and this is why people talk about microdosing with shrooms and stuff like that, but you come out feeling somewhat a cleaner individual because in your mind you've dealt with it and you've processed it. And it's, that's just for anybody who may have ever tripped one time in their life. But to me, the idea of with him going to the cave, and this might be also another part where they updated it. The first thing he hears, I feel like in the new version is the wampum that, that hit him in the face. But as a hero's journey, that would be the first fear. That thing had just attacked him. Mm-hmm. And so does he turn back there? No, he walks forward and keeps going. And then he sees Bader, who he's seen before. And he, you know, it's like, what does he do then? And he attacks Bader and he cuts his head off. But when the mask breaks, I feel like what he fears most is becoming Bader. He, he fears becoming what he hates. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know that he doesn't think that's his diet, but this is another part with this is another part with foreshadowing is that does foreshadow him taking the role of his father, even though he doesn't know it. And that's right. another part of storytelling with him foreshadowing. But I never took it as he was going to become Vader. I just think his worst fear was Vader, but Yoda had been telling him the entire time that. You know, Jedi is for defense, and he attacks. Mm-hmm. Like his his fear does overtake him. Yeah. And this is another thing where, like, when he comes in to Yoda's house and he's unpatient, it reminds me of an Anthony Hopkins line from The Mask of Zorro, where he says, "When the pupil is ready, the master will present himself." And throughout that scene, when he's like, you know, Yoda's feeding him. You know, he's just like, where can we go there? And it's ring outside. He's like, why can't we go see Yoda now? He's like, you know, just hold up, wait. Just like, just be patient, you know? And uh, he's like, not ready. You know, he's just not ready to present himself, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, th- those are just some of my other Dagobah ideas. But no, I feel great. like that's great. I feel like Yoda kept setting him up and trying to build him up as a mentor. And that's another thing about the X-Wing scene where I feel like Irving Kushner made a point to make Luke walk away and just sit his ass down with his head down. And and he's also in like, oh, they call it crisscross applesauce these days. You know what I mean? I mean, that's what they call it. They call it that. that. That's also how... That's that's also how Peter's sitting, you know. That's how you know also Jenner is sitting. But he just sits his ass down with his head over his shoulders, and Yoda does like nothing. But it's the fun thing about the Dagobah and Yoda trying to build this guy up. But Yoda also, once again, doesn't give him any love. He doesn't give him affection. He doesn't really build him up. He uh, he he just keeps continually trying to push him to achieve things, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a flaw in the Jedi teaching. Yeah, I think I, th- I think you're right. Um, so I think it's pretty safe to say that we both agree that basically the cave represents like Luke's inner darkness, right? I mean, that's really what, what it's all mm-hmm. about at the end of the day because, take you know, like whatever you take with you, right? So yeah. he chose to arm himself, right? And... He's exactly. presented. Yeah, Yoda says you will not need him. Like yep. in that instance, in, to go back on what I just said, in that instance, Yoda is trying to tell him, "Hey, man, don't take those things with you." Mm-hmm. Now Yoda is trying to help him out. Yep. You know, 
So, yeah, there's plenty of you guys trying to help. Mm -hmm. And obviously you tapped into the foreshadowing and that's why, like, you you see Luke's face. It's just, you know, kind of represent that, oh, he doesn't necessarily know that. But, yeah, it's just like his own, at least I see, you know, just a form of his own internal struggle, his own inner darkness and everything. And that's kind of, again like from a screenwriting aspect of like that, 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 that cave, that one must, you know, they have to from their own, the bottom of their own pit. Right. And for Luke, it's very much an emotional struggle. He's presented a very, very emotional struggle, either a, you know, let my friends potentially perish or continue my train, my, my training, continue my potential training or, go and face Vader, you know, like these, these are these things like, so he's presented a no win scenario within his own, in his own mind. And this is one, again, you know, we, we talk about Jedi's and everything like that, their own, though they're, you know, they're not necessarily perfect, right? They're, they're flawed in their own ways. You know, they, Luke chooses his own, his own destiny. Well, what I like about the storytelling in that scene is, it took about five seconds in three words to, to, to say something, you know, your weapons, you will not need them. So that's one three, but mm-hmm. like within that, he, he thinks about it, clicks it. So from a, from a director, from a story writer, you know, like the idea, like that doesn't take up much time, but it does so much to just set a scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that basically helps trans uh, transition into that third act where, well, uh, Luke, city. Yep, Luke right. is going to leave Dagobah. And um, I like to just bring it back to when Han lands, because I feel like that's the beginning of act, act three count. Sure. You know? sure. Um, and this is just, uh, I'm just going to put it out there. Lando was trying to give warning signs. He walked out to the pier and he goes, you scrimy slumball, you got a lot of nerve coming around here. He tries to act like a fight. And if Han had any other options, he might have gotten in the plane and rolled out. You know, uh, but maybe I agree with that. I don't know. I never really looked at that scene in that same way. I thought he was just just trying to. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, 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 part of me thinks maybe you're giving Lando a little bit, a little bit more credit, but I don't know. I have, I I have a tendency to do that to to individuals. Well, it's another part that made me think about how in this film, I used to think about Vader. You should just be looking for Luke for the emperor, but the way Vader treats Lando, he's always one step ahead and he's always changing the negotiations. And one thing he says out loud is like, we're going to bring Skywalker to the Emperor, but that doesn't mean that that's what Vader was going to do. Like mm-hmm. he's constantly with Lando, who's a, a scallywag, and Lando's like, man, this deal is getting worse and worse all the time. You know, like, it, and from the first film we know, they got lucky. You know, mm-hmm. Vader should have won. Yeah. And in this film, everything, once again, he's one step ahead. And see, as we're talking about Hobb, do you want to talk about one of the coolest scenes in cinema? Cinema might have been overselling it. I basically was just talking about when Vader force pulls Han's gun from him. Oh, when my God. Okay. Beep, All right. Beep, okay. He takes it. Yeah. So I still remember like it's a question that I ask a lot of our guests. Do you remember the first time you saw this movie? Yada, yada, yada. I still remember being 
three, maybe four. Like the first time I saw, like the first time I remember seeing this movie and when Darth Vader like comes into like the, like that, that, that dinner hall and like the stormtroopers all pop in and like, and Boba Fett is there. And, but like before then, like when the door opens and Lando essentially betrays Han and, and Chewie and, and Leia and all of them, he's like, I just made a deal with the empire that, you know, that'll keep them out of here. And he opens and there's freaking, you know, Darth Vader. And then Han like, is like, Oh shit. And he starts shooting. And then like Vader is just like, deflecting the bullets and ever everything he's like we would be honored if you would join us like i'm like oh my god oh shit, oh shit. <laughs> even at like three years old i'm like this is bad this is bad this is so bad <laughs> yeah well and and not to harp on it for too long but like the idea of han shooting first right another example but it was so cool how he pulled it and he was like, would you like Darth Vader was so polite. <laughs> you know? yeah. It almost, it <laughs> no almost seemed like he was about to feed them before, you know, taking Han to the back room to torture him. Yeah, I think that's what happens. He's like, we would be, <laughs> yeah. be honored if you join us. So basically, here's your here's your last meal, Han. Here's your yeah. last meal. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously, um, Lando feels a little bit guilty yada yada and and then so this movie has three like iconic scenes and they're all within like Hoth city for me but this whole movie is like iconic scene after iconic scene but the the cloud city you know you, you have that moment which blew my mind you have the moment that uh, you know, Han and Leia's scene right before Han is put into frozen carbonate, that whole scene, iconic. Well, and then the battle I mean, in between. Oh, iconic. Oh, sorry, yeah. man. I was just talking about the low key ones like Chewie and C-3PO, you know, like, you know, fighting them all. It's all a perfect, perfect. Remember when the door goes up behind Luke, you know? Yeah. Let's think about and the lights. And, and that's just it. Like the lighting, the colors, the special effects, the the practical effects, everything about this movie. It, it, it's a cinematic masterpiece. We need to talk about Luke confit, confronting Vader. And one of the differences with the cave is when he comes up, it locks. There's no escape. It's not a cave. You're in it now. And he goes up very similar to the cave and he attacks it's one of those cool things I think kind of put in there where they kind of Yoda some some low key things about how you know Luke's father was great Jedi and also Jedi don't use the Force uh, only for defense. In that scene, Vader is just defending himself, and mm-hmm. he does kind of forcefully put Luke in this little chamber. And really, this might be one of the best lines. All too easy. All too easy. <laughs> Dude, that now I don't I don't know. I guess maybe in a way, like maybe you're playing your child and something like you knock down a bucket, you go all too easy, you know. But uh that, that's pretty cool blooded. Then he escapes and he goes, impressive, most, most impressive, impressive. <laughs> impressive. And then Luke uses the thing to defend himself. So all of a sudden he's back to Jedi teaching, he's defending himself, and Vader goes off the back end. Uh-huh. Yeah, so their their whole fight sequence is incredible. It, it, it's great choreography. It's 
great, great editing, great sound mixing, great freaking like visual lighting and everything just between the dark colors and the, the reds and just everything. The, that everything. Whole, it is, everything. Yeah. Everything. Everything. <laughs> whether, whether you're watching the, the like the special editions or even the modern version or the theatrical version, it doesn't matter. This I, I feel that even though they, you know, they added this, that, and the other, the the edits that have been made to this film, apart from apart from the Emperor, I think are great. I just want to mention something as a fight fan though. Mm. So that's round one. It's a physical duel. Round two is the mental duel. Right? So they're in this cool little breezeway or whatever and Vader toasts them, right? Yep. Yeah. And then round three is a mental duel and I really don't think anybody wins in that one. No. Luke, Luke wins round one. Vader wins round two. And because I guess in a way Luke kind of, you know, bails, but in a similar way, I just think it's kind of a, a no decision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It yeah. sets up round three. Yeah. Right, next and slide. then round three is where I can't imagine. Like I, 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 I don't have any memory of, because I don't think it really meant anything to me at like three or four years old. But again, mm. just another person, I, I would love to talk to another person that, you know, saw this movie like an opening night, 1980, yeah. when, when Vader drops the, I mean, father, yeah. 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 Uh, I'm sure I'm curious how many people put together when when Luke takes off from Dagobah and Yoda says there's another how many people put together whenever Luke was hanging from the rafters that it was Leia Leia was the other because because all three of them you know in a way were kind of you know Vader was chasing Leia but Luke and Leia have this you know thing and then Vader and Luke have this thing so it's like I'm kind of curious of how many people actually put that together yeah Good question. Uh, um, just to wrap around a little bit, because we've got a couple things, unfortunately, just for the sake of time and editing and everything sure. and trying to keep this at least manageable. So, good call. Good call. so um, obviously, you know, Vader and Luke have their showdown, but prior to that, we, we lose one of our heroes. Han Solo gets basically frozen into, into carbonite, which again, one of the most iconic scenes in this, this moment oh, where, man. you know, basically it's all about creating a trap for for luke and vader yeah um we we don't know han's fate you know he, he's put into essentially just a, a carbonite coffin if you will technically he's still alive but but with that lops him on a ship and flies off and this guy that we've been tracking the past two films He's gone. We don't know what's going to happen. And the great moment between Leia and Han where, you know, they've been setting it up all movie long. There's definitely a connection between the two of them. And she professes her love to him. And he does the same in in his own in, in his own way. Um, obviously, there, there's discussions on the whole idea of him saying, I know um, where originally his response in the screenplay was was originally like, I love you, too. But Han's like <laughs> or uh, Harrison's like, he would never, ever say that. So he says, I know um, where people think, well, 
what does that really mean? Is he kind of chauvinistic? Well, all that is bullshit. It, it, it's a character thing that is very much Han Solo. That was his way of saying that he loved her too. Yeah. Well, I also think that, you know, this is just me playing into my mind, but like the idea of like, he wanted to be killed off. And they were like, no, we're not killing you off. I was like, well, I'm going to do this line my way then. Mm-hmm. Like, at least I'm at least I'm going to do it my way this time. You know? So, yeah. I don't know. That, that's kind of how I felt about that. But I guess there there is a screenplay director who could change it up and just sure. put whatever the sure. producer. But you, you tapped in earlier. This scene is so great and so heartbreaking. And there's this mo- great emotional weight and the chemistry be- between Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher cannot be denied. Such great on-screen chemistry between the two. But shout out to Peter Mayhew and uh, and whoever actually did the the audio of, of Chewbacca when, when Han is- Is that the sound editor? Who's Peter Mayhew? Peter Mayhew is the body of uh, Chewbacca. Ah. Because I'm, I'm fairly certain Peter Mayhew isn't the one that does the Chewbacca noise. Man, I also want to talk about this is his film because he was bringing the heart, you know. Mm-hmm. And we probably missed an opportunity. I'm sorry, Peter Mayhew, but all right, it's, it's not the. Yeah, he brought the other three dimensional sense of this that people aren't the only characters. Aliens are characters. Yeah, you know. And once again, like when you go back to Hoth, and he's like. It's so quick and sad. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, um, yeah. And then the movie basically ends when we find out that, oh shit, Leia has an element of force sensitivity because Luke reaches out to her when he's like basically just dangling from <laughs> the bottom of Cloud City and he's just saying, Leia. And Leia hears him and they go back and they escape and they meet up with the, the rest of the rebellion. And then it's put in a great opportunity to segue into Return of the Jedi, where they say, we're going to go find Han. You know, we'll meet up. We're going to figure out where the hell Han is. So there's, okay, well, there's hope. They're going to hopefully find Han. But it's still, if you put yourself in the mind of like 1980, I mean, this movie is about to end with your... Oh shit! Here's the scene right there. Sorry, like I said, I'm watching it, and uh, and uh, huh, up here comes Boba Fett right behind Darth Vader, and out come the stormtroopers, and Lando looking at Han Solo, Han Solo looking back at Lando, like mm, shit. Sorry, I'm sorry, they ride, they ride before you. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, just such a great scene. Um, it's an awesome scene, man. It's a really, it's a really good scene. How, how out of place is Darth Vader in that scene? But he's so intimidated. It's such a nice scene. He's just there. He is. Mm-hmm. You know? Like what the hell is he going to eat anyway? You know, he can't, he can't. But anyway, so the movie ends on a very, very like dour slash optimistic note. Right. I mean, it's a bummer, but there's an element of hope in this movie as a stare, like looking at like the, the galaxy and everything well, like that. La- Lando and Chewie tell, you know, Han and Leia, like, we're going to go find Han, right? Mm-hmm. So anybody paying attention who didn't like Lando, you know, anybody who's like, Lando's a dickhead. No, like at the end of the movie, he does him redeem and Chewie are himself. going off to go find Han. It, it, and that's sort of the thing about Han, to re, you know, just for anybody who, for fun, wants to rewatch this movie again, try to think about Lando trying to warn Han. 
when when he comes out, he goes, "You scallywag, you nerd," you know. It's like he's trying to tell him, "Like you, but you should fly off right now if you can't," you know. But he can't, and then he has to play the role. Anyways, just just you know, if you want to think about yeah, that way yeah, next I, time. I, I, I'm, I'm I'll take a look at him. Think about him as a good guy. Try to think about him as a good guy. You're trying to adjust the situation where he's going to look after Leia and Chewbacca and then Vader changes the deal. He's like, this deal is getting worse and worse all the time, but he's actually trying to secure these things. And uh, and then he goes into, you know, like after Han gets blind, he's like, they're not even after you. They're after a guy named Skywalker. Like he tells them. Yeah. Luke, he doesn't know who Luke is, you know, like. And then he calls and tell like because the computers are down, R2 can't get in. He tells his people flee, run. So yeah. Yeah, Lando. Lando. Billy D, Billy D. We're in our final act of the podcast, unfortunately. And you know what? Maybe when we do Return of the Jedi, we might have a little bit more extra time. So we might be able to go over a couple things that we missed because this film and the next film tie in. And quite frankly, I'm so more interested in talking about this movie than the next film. So I'll probably still talk a little bit about Empire. But um, I I feel that we would be doing a disservice if if – if we didn't maybe say, I don't know, if you had a couple favorite lines in the movie, any like couple lines of dialogue, because I feel this movie is rich within, I think we've said a few lines, but just even in casual discussion, but if there's anything that, that sticks with you that, that you'd like to call out. Cause if you don't have anything off the top of your head, I'll give you a minute and I'll just throw out a few of my favorite lines. Please do. I attempted to say this last time. I couldn't remember what it was, and we said that we'd get into it in this episode. But Leia, when she and Han were having it out in Hoth. I'm not a committee. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, but he he basically, he basically ruffled her up, and she said, Why? You stuck up, half-witted, scruffy-looking, nerve-herder. And then he replies... Yeah, exactly. So you have that, uh, which is great. And then, you know, uh, Chewie laughing. He's like, laugh it up, fuzzball. So you have that. <laughs> uh, basically everything that Yoda says, right? And we, which we've already said, do or do not. There is no try. Uh, war is not make one great. Uh, yeah, that was absolutely. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I don't believe that is why you failed. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. in some ways, if you're somebody and you have an apprentice, you should watch this movie just because you have some good lines to tell that person. <laughs> yeah. I think, so there's a line that I, I throw out whenever I hear somebody like complain and it doesn't make any sense other than it makes perfect sense to me, but I'll just drop it. If I ever hear anybody whining, I'll just go, Oh, can't get your ship out. <laughs> that's one and I've tried to avoid talking about sports we've done a great job of it but like that's one thing it's like do or do not there is no try mm-hmm. but within Tottenham there, there is to, to dare to do it, this is the full circum of me as a Tottenham fan so I'm wearing a shirt with one of my fa- all time favorite tell me the odds yeah so I'm wearing a, a t-shirt that has the Millennium Falcon that says Never tell me the odds, which is, again, Han Solo. Again, everybody has a moment. Everybody has a bit of dialogue. Everybody has something quotable in this movie. To anybody out there who's a hardcore gambler, I like to think 
Han Solo, y'all just see it through Rio. Never tell me the odds because he's a hardcore gambler. And every time I see through Rio throws out the odds, he wins. So what he's trying to do is reverse that and be like, don't tell me that. But he really wants to see through Rio throw out the odds every single time just so he continues to win the bet. That, that, that's, that's my Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe George Lucas didn't write that scene. Maybe he was thinking about it at the time. I don't know. But maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, <laughs> Darth Vader. Darth Vader has a great, a great line too yes. that I love. Um, I want them alive. No disintegrations. Well, well, and that's the line that makes me realize that he he doesn't know if Luke's on it. Like he understands that Boba Fett will go in there and kill them all. Right. But that's why he says like no disintegrations because he doesn't know if Luke's in it. Because Boba Fett would just blow him up. You know. Um, so yeah. Yeah, a contemporary, like modern day line, which I which I think is so great and it works in this movie. I think it works a little bit better than in a few movies later where Luke kind of like brushes us off his shoulders, which is kind of like a contemporary line. But Leia says to Han, would it help if I got out and pushed? Which, yeah. <laughs> which is a great, you know, obviously like jump starting a car or not jump, but basically push starting a car, I think is great. Well, this is the fun thing where I like to hear a lot of the opinions of people who are older than us is people didn't know about space, you know, in 1980. You know, people hadn't been in space. They hadn't have an astral field. Nobody understands the physics of it. We understand a better idea now and how mm-hmm. things can work. But, like, if you're going to the, the cinema then, like, that'd be a, like, a, okay, yeah, I can see. Oh, you see you just slam up. And there's a worm. So the way I understand the worm is Millennium Falcon was flying and the worm just kept its mouth open as it flew through. Like it's a trap system, like a spider. It's, it's like a, it's like an, like a, like a gator that'll just chill with its mouth open. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> you grew up, you grew up around the, uh, what, what do you call those six that you grew up in Atlanta? Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Uh, sure why not um okay so moving along just to just to get through just be you know it, it's it's sure, getting a little late go. over here it's getting go. late it's getting late so uh the movie was released in may of 1980 mm-hmm. it was a monumental success not even close the number one movie of the year at the box office uh, garnered over 200 million dollars in the box office that year the next closest had half that um critically recognized you know uh rotten tomatoes has a 94 critic score the audience score of 97 but what i wanted to do is find an article from 1980 and i found something from the washington post that said empire is a thrilling witty inventive continuation of star wars but it also introduces a more serious approach and springs an astonishing plot twist which promises to keep audiences buzzing and open up the story for a deeper dramatic exploit uh, exploitation surprises are in store, perhaps unwelcome if you hope for a strictly ingratiating reprise of the original, but potentially electrifying if you care for a new departure. So, um, and it goes on and on and on and it talks a couple of different, uh, different little aspects about it, but I just wanted to find something that was from the Washington post uh, from May of 1980 that, that um, and the articles are really good because they, they talk about a couple of different things. They talk they talk about John Williams' score. They talk about the 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 uh, the twenty first twenty first century Fox logo. Uh, they they talk about this now the episode five 
thing was introduced where before obviously there was no like episode four that now Lucas has mentioned that there there are other chapters within this within this story. Who's that? Uh, the Washington Post. Nice. Sounds sounds like a good article. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel have some stuff, but the, what I was able to, what unfortunately, what I was able to find was what they wrote in the '90s special editions. What I wanted was an original, like 1980, you know, uh, review from a critic what they thought when the movie came out. You know what? And Washington Post is obviously a very like uh, respected. Uh, publication certainly at least in the 1980s when it came into uh film reviews and whatnot so real positive there one of the things i remember harping on was how episode one was the most highly anticipated film and it makes me think empire strikes back may actually be the best contender to overtake it as the most anticipated film maybe maybe yeah it might be the top contender Johnny Bones, I've got a pop quiz for you. Ooh, I was not prepared. Okay. All right, here we go. This is easy because we've covered a couple of these things, so we'll we'll start off. Well, hold on. Time out. Time out. Time out. What are you drinking tonight? Pop oh. quiz. So what I'm drinking tonight is I I've got a twofer to explain this one, but I am drinking a, a Samuel Smith nut brown ale, and I'll nice. tell you why. Oh. One. It is, it quite possibly is my favorite brown ale in existence, which is the Samuel Smith Nut Brown. And two. Is it better than Newcastle? Yes. Because yes, that it is. is a brown ale, correct? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay, yeah. cool. right. uh, and two, uh, it, it's it's English because uh, we were, we had the, the Euros and I, I bought some good uh, English beer to, you know, root for. You want to sing it, man? It's coming, Rome. <laughs> it's coming, Rome. Yeah. It's coming, Rome. It's coming, Rome. It's coming. And you know what? And there's probably discussion to uh, to have about that, but not on Empire Strikes Back. But I think both John and I have some opinions on on the Euros, which I think by and large were, were an amazing, what? amazing competition. And... Here we go. Uh, what are you drinking? This is this is the quiz, right? Well, no. Well, question number one: What are you drinking? Well, my first question to you is: What am I drinking? <laughs> Wine. Oh. Uh, that was the answer. Now, Tour de Pira. Uh, I, I can't roll my R's very is that, well. Is that a uh, Spanish wine? Is it Chilean wine? Oh, uh, Toro del Piedra. <laughs> I think it translates loosely to. Uh, the shoe of the bull. Shoe of the bull. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't, that, that's rush. How is it? Is it but, is it good? Is it tasty? Well, I went with wine just because I thought this movie had a bit of romance to it, mm, you know. But I thought mm. it had a bit of vengeance to it. Okay. As a, uh, as I think a great calm once said, "Revenge is a dish best served cold." And I've been getting a, a game of mind store, and I'm like, you know, with revenge and Empire Strikes back you know you gotta drink some wine for that so that's what i, I went with tonight all right yeah i like it that, I like that, it. that that's the reason why i went that direction and it's a one-year anniversary and to the god of dionysus i'm drinking wine tonight okay here we go i'm, I'm moving on i'm cutting you off i want to get this i want to get this in there but I'm, hey but cheers cheers okay, cheers cool. cheers all right here well, we go 
Cool. No, go ahead. But I still get the quiz, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do no, it. Right I just now. want the quiz. I, I'm trying to give okay. it to you. Um, well, <laughs> I, I just I want you to enunciate the questions. I just want to make sure that happens. Okay. All right. What two things does Yoda tell Luke Jedi's don't seek? Oh man. Fear, excitement, a Jedi not seeks these things. So close. I, what do you no, say? I got is, it here. It does, well, okay. Go ahead, man. No, I, no, no. I, I have it. I, I have it here, man. Okay. Well, then what is it? It just goes back to the quote deepest commitments, most serious mind, you know. Adventure. Excitement. A Jedi craves not these things. Question number I two. Saw. I got it wrong. Sorry, people. Damn it! That's, <laughs> but you realize, like that—that that just took my percentage down like ten percent. Like okay. I am like, okay, all right, next one. <laughs> what is what is the name of Boba Fett's ship? Uh, both man, Boba Fett's ship is called. You would only know this from like the toys and everything. Like subsequently, it's called Slave One. Okay. Yep. 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 Question number three: Despite often. Oh, I'm sorry. Despite the often quoted lore that is used in contemporary pop culture, Vader never says, Luke, I am your father. What words does Vader actually say? Obi-Wan never told you who your father was. No, he wait. told me enough. He told me you killed him. And then Vader no, says, Luke. No. no. I don't know. He, he there's just no Luke. It's no, I am your father. He never says Luke. Yeah. Either there's never ever there's never any Luke. I am your father. It's just no. Like you know, Obi Wan never ever told you what happened to your father. And he's like, he told me enough. He told me you killed him. He's like, no. Yeah, I, I feel like that's your father. That's cool. I I just feel like that's kind of like uh. You know, what color was George Washington's white horse, you know? Like, it's kind of like a, like, I don't know. Like, well, no, it, it's, like you understand I, I, I think, the purpose. The purpose still gets across. It doesn't matter if he says Luke or not. He, it, it's just, a, it's just, a, it's, it's one of the most commonly misquoted film quotes. Okay. That's, that's the whole thing is everybody. I got you. So, Luke, I am your father. It's just, I am your father. Yep. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. And he says, no, I, no, I, I am your father. Am your father. Yep. Which makes it, you know, that, that does make it a lot deeper. Like, mm-hmm. it really hits home a lot harder. It's like, no, I'm your father. And he also, like, when he's searching him out, he's searching for the young Skywalker. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know Luke. But this is something I spoke about in the last one where just like, I think Obi-Wan kind of sets this scene up where he's trying to make sure Luke can fight him at some kind of level playing field where he can fight this guy who might be his father. Mm-hmm. But Vader has to say, I am your father. He honestly has to, if he wants to take down the Emperor, if Vader actually wants to take down the Emperor, then he has to tell Luke, I am your father. That's That's... That's his little that's master your A to B key. right there. Yeah, that that's it. But that's his little master trump card. He's trying to play throughout this film. Is I need to get Luke so I can kill the Emperor, 
And so as a fangoer who hasn't seen all the movies of all time, then when I go to see Return of the Jedi, I'm still wondering when they go to that palace room, is Luke and Vader going to team up to take down the Emperor? Mm. What are they going to do? It Are they going to do it in a way where they, you know, take on, you know, in a very dirty way? Right. And it doesn't happen in a dirty way. Yeah. Wow, that's a great question. Wow, that made me think for a second. <laughs> sorry. I, I know, I know, it, it definitely did. Sorry. Um, sorry. <laughs> so I don't know what question we're on, but which hand did Vader lop off? Right, right. Right hand is correct, sir. Okay, I've got two difficult questions for you. Where more did you difficult? The scene? More difficult. Tunisia, Tunisia. <laughs> Where do they shoot the scenes from Hoth? Oh, um, you want a multiple choice? I, I, uh, well. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Uh, yes, of course I'll take multiple choice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll just I'll, I'll give you one out of three right here. Canada, Norway, Russia. Norway. Norway is correct. Norway is correct. Finally, this one's tough, but you might have it in your notes. Which admiral betrays Vader for the last time? So I'm not looking at my notes. I have, but I remember writing down. But it was Admiral Adwil, Adweer, Ozzel. The guy, are uh, you talking about the guy who chokes? He's he as clumsy as he is stupid. And then he promotes uh, Captain Piet v- to Admiral right there on the spot. Is it Piet? Piet. I always thought it was v- I, I thought it was v- Veer is the the guy that's um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm pretty sure Veer's is the uh, the like the captain of like the ATAT, but. Admiral Ozzel. I think uh, Viet. I think well. Piet. Viet. Viet well, I call him Viet. <laughs> Viet. Uh, like this is how I call him my whole life. <laughs> but that's the guy who gets promoted. We're talking about the same guy. Yeah. But the guy who gets choked off. I thought it was like Adwir or Admiral Adwile or Adwil. I think you're thinking like of that. Toby Outerwald, but that's not. No, he's... that's not who I'm talking about. <laughs> Like man, I'm t- like the guy who choked out with the small, you know, he's gray looking. He's got the yeah. that beard. And he, he's got to came out. He's got to came out of light speed too soon. He's the first guy to die. But yeah. this is another thing that's cool about Vader, where he's trying to check in his son. Is like, so the first guy calls him on the phone. Is like, hey, I fucked up, <laughs> and Vader kills him. So the second is like, you know what? I'm gonna go apologize in person, and he kills him too. You know, so it's like it doesn't matter what you do. The only objective is, is I'm gonna find my son. Mm-hmm. That, it doesn't even matter. And that's the thing about Piet or Beard or Beard or whatever, however pronunciation you want to have it. But he survives only because Vader says, you guys put that in place, right? And he goes, yes. <laughs> but R2-D2 changes it and they get out of there so he doesn't kill him. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why he doesn't die. So the, the, uh, the apology accepted is uh, Captain Nita. Where he's like, I'm going to go apologize. And it's like, apology accepted, Captain Nita. Okay. So, and, uh, that, but that's the guy who comes 
to apologize to him in person. That's correct. That's the guy that comes yeah. to apologize. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Good All try. Right. Good try, Captain Ida. Doesn't work. You know yeah. what you should have done? Capture that Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. That's what she mm-hmm. should have done. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Final question. You. Final question. And this is a bonus. What is your <laughs> favorite? I just think it's oh sorry. What is your favorite second chapter? What is your favorite sequel ever made? Oh, cool. Nice question. I just thought it was funny of, of you. And I, I know we, we appreciate bonuses. And you go for bonuses more than me. But, you know, like I always appreciate doing the work. Like, whatever bonuses, man. Like, if we do the work, we'll get there. If they give us bonuses, we'll get there, you know? Like, that's just my idea. I never went for bonuses hard. I just try to work hard. So, like, uh, but the idea of a sequel, the best sequel of all time, probably Dark Knight Rises. Ooh, good one. Or just Dark Knight, Dark Knight. Sorry, yeah, Dark Knight. Sorry, Dark Knight. Yeah, um, it is, yeah. Yeah, I'll just end it there. I saw that in the Bob Bullock's Museum at the IMAX. Still got the ticket stub, and it was epic. Mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. so fun. But uh, uh, I'm sure, I think, I guess in a way, like what we're talking about where we feel missed out that we didn't we didn't get to see this movie in theaters. I got to see that movie in theaters. Yeah, and that was a good one. And uh, that's a good one on opening day. Yeah, yeah, and definitely my top in five. In a lot too. of ways, it's a sequel. It's a sequel. It's built a lot with intrigue and a growth of a central character. Uh, so it, I guess, if I had to pick one, that's the one. That's a good one. How about your, How about you? How about yourself, Andrew? Um, they, I know they never made Captain Ron Part Two. They didn't, <laughs> and it's a fucking shame. It's a fucking it is, shame. Martin Short's still around, baby. Let's get let's get Martin Short and Kurt Russell and um. Go, yeah, let's uh, get him out. Let's get him out. Yeah, let's, let's get, get him, him out go. there. Let's yeah. get him going, man. Yeah, the world needs Captain Ron Part Two. It really um, does. Fucking, I love that movie. But, I really do. But um, I, I digress. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, so, what, do you have a favorite sequel, Godfather Part Two? Or I mean, Godfather Part Two is the obvious, simply for the fact that it's, it, it's, it is. It's better than the original, and it's a perfect movie. And I love it. I love it. I love it. And there, that movie also ends with a great like cliffhanger and just some of the 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 craziest craziest shit that you'll ever see on on camera so yeah godfather 2 but i've got like i've got like five that i just want to like honorable mentions but godfather 2 is my my number one i've got the dark knight i've got terminator 2 i've got oh shit mm-hmm. Sorry. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah damn yeah that's a good call out yeah. i saw that in theaters by the way I, um, if anybody, got, i was born in 1985 they could do the math i think it was 92 or something like that but i saw that in theaters yeah. Oh man. A, a movie that we covered earlier, Wrath of Khan. Uh, that Hell is, yeah. That's up there. Um, I put Batman Returns. I think the I think the second Batman with uh, with um, I can't believe I just forgot her name, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and Danny DeVito. I think that one was great, and it's it also works as a Christmas movie. It's it's really really well done. I love Batman Returns. Well, I think with that one, it's hard to. It, it's weird that 
if the if Warner Brothers just would have stuck with, you know, uh, was it Tim Burton, mm-hmm. and and like they could have had what Marvel has today, but it would have been started thirty years ago. Yeah, if they had just allowed that character to keep, you know, generating, moving on, but it that movie did not come out. It, but yeah, I'm with you, man. Um, and then I'm just going to put a couple horror films in there just because I'm, I'm into that stuff. But Evil Dead 2 and Dawn of the Dead, I also wanted to put up there, which are two really, really fantastic. Oh, I was going to say Goldfinger, but Goldfinger is the third James Bond. The second one was from Russia with Love, which is also really, really good. But but that yeah, those are just I, the movies. I put Back to the Future 2 on just because I love Back to the Future. But it, it, quite frankly, I it's love not great. Back to the Future 2. <laughs> Uh, talking about James Bond, Irving Kishner, I think he did Never, never Say, say never, never Again, again. Mm-hmm. which doesn't count. Which is, well, yeah. I can, well, I don't know. Do you count uh, Sean Connery as a James Bond? Well, I count Sean Connery, but it, it's not part of the, in the, James the movie. Bond. In the movie, I mean, Sean Connery as an actor is walking around calling himself James Bond, so I you know. should respect it's that. It's not part of yeah, like the. Just respect it. Just respect <laughs> it. And, and the for the listeners that, that the have no film, idea what the, first, the director of the film, believe it or not, is not a bullshit one-off director. He did a movie, a little movie, maybe you've heard of it. It's called Empire Strikes Back. So just respect, never say never again. It's a James Bond movie. You can respect it. Does, does, uh, what, you put it this way, does Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, is that part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? It's part of the multiverse. Watch Loki. <laughs> no, I'm not going to watch Loki. Um, but anyway, you're missing out. I have, oh, am, you. I, am I? Am I missing out? I, 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 my, my, Let I the feel, viewers, the viewers, be known. You know, I'm, 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 I'm pretty happy in this world. Um, but you know what? Maybe I'll get around to Loki if somebody puts that puts that out there. But anyway, this. All kidding aside, I think tonight was a, a, a huge, huge success. I think we've covered a lot. Do we? Once again, do we cover everything? Hell no. It's impossible. It's impossible to do so. But we've been chatting for well over ninety minutes, and we've we've covered a great, great amount of everything that came time. in this movie. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think it's any secret that this is my favorite movie in the in in the bunch. And I know it's at least in John's top three of the bunch. So it's my favorite. It's it my favorite. favorite. Awesome. I, I kept thinking about asking you what's your favorite scene, but every scene, like as I watched Take About, every scene just kept surpassing the next scene. Exactly. And, and then the only other scene from out from out for me is really Obi-Wan and Anakin do look, you know, like you were the chosen one because of the implication it has mm-hmm. like that. I'm with you. you. Know, but like, you know, just, but like, no, I, I also want to just take a moment just to say thank you, Andrew. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to talk to us, the fans, about the films we love and the reason why we love them. And I just want to say thank you, man. I hope you have a great night. And uh, you and Catherine and Reese's Pieces, you know, I just, I just hope you all have a great night tonight, you know. That's all yeah. I can say. And ladies and That's gentlemen, this is, 
and John and and ladies and gentlemen, this is why I absolutely love John Rowe. Um, he is, just has the biggest heart of anybody that I've ever met, and I am extremely blessed to have him as my friend. And yeah, I uh, I'm just going to close out with that. So no, the the thanks is all this way. I'm I'm extremely um, thankful to have you as a friend and somebody that enjoys talking you know, about, about stuff as much as I do. Cheers to you, sir. And to the listeners, thank you again for listening to yet another episode of Stamper Cinema. We will see you next week with another episode. And I think John and I are just going to be coming back and talking about Return of the Jedi. And um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see if, uh, if he's ready. You know what? I'll just cut that part out. Um, ladies and gentlemen, you will see us again on another episode of Stamper Cinema. And... Please like, listen, subscribe, tell your friends, follow us on YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel, interact with this episode. Yeah, that's that, that's about all I've got. That's all I've got. One love. Take one love. Take care of each other. John, you don't have any songs tonight? You didn't even do any singing tonight, no? Did I not? No, no singing tonight. Well, <laughs> Nah, uh, I don't have a song. I don't have a song. It, I don't want to talk about songs because the re man, I don't want to get into it, but the the remix version of Return of the Jedi had one of the worst scenes of all time, and a lot of it has to do with the Cantina song, which we'll mm. talk about next episode. So tune in, tune in if you want to talk about. Well, I really want to avoid it, but that that's a really terrible scene. <laughs> all right everybody that's not gonna say uh, yeah he, he nailed it uh once again everybody thank you thank you thank you please listen like subscribe all that shit uh leave comments all of that follow us now on youtube we are available and be on the lookout for future video content that we'll be putting out at some point in the fall winter 2022 don't know don't know but look for other fun surprises that'll be announced in the the not too distant future. We've got a lot of exciting things going on with Stanford Cinema. So please tell your friends, let's get everybody hopping on this train and we'll see you next week on another episode of Stamper Cinema. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs>